Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today's episode 442, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Let's read our passage. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. This is Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth a church he had founded five years earlier, and a church that's got a lot of problems going on, a church that is, well, confused. People are trying to determine who's the most spiritual. They all think they have great knowledge, that they have great wisdom, that they have the most spiritual gifts. And so they're comparing themselves, and it's a very prideful kind of situation. Paul's been dealing with several issues, and starting in verse 12, he began to deal with the issue of spiritual gifts. Their problem was they were very enamored with the gift of tongues, these seemingly spirit-filled utterances that no one understands. And all these super spiritual people have this gift. And Paul started in verse 12 saying, well, no, not everybody has this gift because there's a diversity of gifts. So through chapter 12, he Push the idea of diversity, diversity within the bounds of unity. Then in chapter 13, he talked about love, that everything must be done on the basis of love and spiritual gifts being utilized without the basis of love is useless. Now we're in chapter 14, and he's going to be talking about the idea of order in public worship. The Bounds he's talking about here are public worship. And he's going to hint at some things that can happen in private, but what he's concerned with is what they are doing. The problem in Corinth is they're coming together in public worship, and it is just chaos. There is no order. There is no intelligibility. Remember when he started off all this, he began with the idea of intelligibility. How do you know if something is spiritual? How do you know if something's from the Holy Spirit? unless you know what's being said. And so part of the order of public worship is intelligibility in public worship. So chapter 14, verse 1, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. So pursue love, that's following on from chapter 13. Desire spiritual gifts, that's following on from chapter 12, where you ended that with desire the greater gifts. And he said, especially that you may prophesy. And he seems to be saying here that prophesy is the greater gift. So love and spiritual gifts together, both of these, and they belong together here. So he's not saying pick one. And if you only pick one, pick love. But he's saying, no, no, desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love. Do the spiritual giftedness within the bounds of love. And he highlights the idea of prophecy. Now he goes on to explain why he highlights prophecy. Verse 2. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. 
since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the spirit. One of the things we have to deal with here is, is language. And interesting tongue means language. So when he says, who speaks in a language, we say, well, what else would you speak in? But the context here refers to this thing we understand as tongues. So just like the word baptism, baptism is the Greek word for immersion. To baptize is to immerse. And so if you did a straight translation from the Greek language to English, it would be saying that uh, they all gathered and went down to the river and John the immerser immersed them. Or John the dunker dunked them. That's what the word actually means. But baptism became its own thing, carrying forward that Greek word. So when we read baptism, it has a, a meaning to it beyond just the, the word immersion. Similarly, the word tongues here. Straight translation from the Greek word is language. So he's talking about speaking in languages. But the context is he's not talking about speaking in human languages. He's talking about these heavenly languages. So that's why the, the translators use the word tongues here versus just a straight uh, translation into English and, and languages. It's context driven. So for the person who speaks in a tongue, he's not speaking to people, but to God. So here he's dealing with who is being addressed here. If you're speaking in this spiritual language, you're not speaking to people because people can't understand what's being said. So you're speaking to God. He says, since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. So he's saying it's guided by the Holy Spirit. These are utterances that come from the Holy Spirit through the person, and they are addressed to God. So this is who is being addressed to. What, what do we call language is addressed to God. We call that prayer and praise. So that's pretty much then would be the content of the speaking in tongue is prayer and praise. Some people want to say there's a message to people, but if it's addressed to God, it would be prayer and praise. Now he doesn't denigrate it. He just says that's what it is. Now verse three, on the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So this is the difference. Speaking in tongues is speaking to God. Prophesying is speaking to people. They're both guided by the Holy Spirit. But one is prayer and praise to God. The other is a message to people from God, specifically for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So it's for the good of the church, this message from God to people. So tongues are addressed to God. Prophecy is addressed to people. It goes on in verse 4. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So remember the context here. He's talking about public worship. Building yourself up, he's not saying that in a, a bad way. He doesn't say puffed up, builds up. To be built up is a good thing, but it's not appropriate for public worship. Where building up of the church is appropriate for public worship. 
So he's saying that tongues, since it's addressed to God and nobody else is in on it, that's not appropriate for public worship. That's just between you and God, and it can build you up. On the other hand, prophecy is a message from God to people, and so it is appropriate for public worship because it's to people and builds the community up, builds the church up. Verse 5, I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. So he's not putting down tongues here. Remember, his, his context here is public worship. And what he's saying is this private interaction between you and God is not appropriate for public worship because that's not including everyone else. But the prophecy is building up everyone else. So I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. So he's saying for public worship, prophecy is superior. Prophecy is preferable. It says the person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so the church may be built up. The whole point here is the intelligibility. That's what builds the church up, a message from God. In which case, tongues being interpreted, how is that different from prophecy? Well, tongues being interpreted would be prayer or praise being interpreted. Everyone else then can be a part of the prayer of praise, but where prophecy is an actual message to the people. So somewhat of a difference in content there. Now, what do we make of all this? Well, one, we've got to be very careful because where do we see tongues in the Bible? Well, we see tongues in the book of Acts where people in three different occasions speak in tongues and they're speaking in unknown languages, but human languages proclaiming the wonders of God to people. And that doesn't seem to be what's going on here. Here, it seems to be this more of a heavenly language, a language that's not understood by the speaker or anybody hearing it. And so it's a, it's a different kind of thing. And this is really the only place we see it. Now, in Romans 8, 26, where it talks about the spirit interceding with groanings that are unintelligible, some want to make that this private prayer language, it's hard to say. Paul doesn't explain it that well. So it's hard to come up with a real good theology of tongues here, even though Paul says a lot about it. This is the only place, and he's giving a lot of correction to people that are really messing it up. And so the problem in the modern church today is it seems we go to either of two extremes. We either act like the Corinthian church and believe that everyone should be speaking in tongues and that tongues is the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's so absolutely antithetical to what Paul is saying here. Paul saying, no, everyone does not speak in tongues. That is not the evidence of the Spirit. Love is the evidence of the Spirit. So that's an error. The other extreme we often default to is we don't want any kind of spiritual activity in the church. Because Paul's speaking about keeping things under control in the worship center. May not say control, he says it's order. Things should be orderly. And because of that, then we often default to the we don't want anything too overly spiritual in the church. We often are very afraid to see any manifestations of the Holy Spirit within the church. Now, some people say that. When Paul said earlier, the part we looked at before, he said, when the perfect comes, 
these gifts pass away. And they say, that means the Bible. When the Bible was completed, that was the perfect, and there was no longer a need for the miraculous gifts. I think it's stretching it. I, I do think that in modern world here, since we do have the Bible, there's less of a need for miraculous gifts. And maybe that's why we don't see it as much. But I think if we're really honest, sometimes we're afraid of the miraculous gifts, afraid that we will lose control. But things still have to be done in order. Talk some more about tongues over the, over the next several sessions as we continue through chapter 14. And Paul talks about the need for order in public worship, the need for intelligibility in public worship, that the church would be edified. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.